Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Are you ready for the word today? Let's pray and then we'll go. Father, thank you. We pray you speak to us today from your word. Bring transformation to our lives. Open our ears and hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was 10 years old, um, I started learning the piano. And I, and I played the piano all the way through high school. And the thing about piano is that you do lessons, and at the end of the year, you do an examination. And the examination I did was at the Conservatorium of Music, and it was a super scary experience. And so for that exam, at the end of every year, I have to learn pieces and scales, and every year I did it, the pieces got harder, as did the technical work with scales and thirds and arpeggios and sixths and all this stuff. And it was super tough each day having to practice for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, and it got longer as, as, as I got older. I, was, I, was much, I would have much preferred to be outside kicking a soccer ball or riding my bike on the street with my friends, but my mum encouraged me and with the uh, wooden spoon because that's what you did back then, and she encouraged me to keep practicing each day so that I would get to those exams and I'd pass, and I did that each year. Now, let me tell you that although it wasn't great playing the piano day after day, hour after hour, the benefits of me learning the piano have far outweighed all that time of practice. Because I did all those years of piano, it meant that when I finished school, um, I could become a music teacher. So I went into my degree, Bachelor of Music, Bachelor of Education, and you had to have a certain level of, of being able to play an instrument to get into the course. And because I'd done seven years, it enabled me to get into the course. And then I had the privilege of teaching high school music for nine years in a school where I got to influence lots of young people's lives. I've been playing the piano and other instruments in church from the age of 10. So that I'm now 46. So 36 years of doing music in church. So I've had the privilege of blessing and encouraging the church. Maybe at the first few years, it wasn't such a blessing for the church. But as I got better, um, hopefully, and hopefully as I lead you guys in worship, it's a blessing to you. And I also have the privilege of leading the worship team for Transform Cambodia. The staff, there's about 300 people who are part of the, the worship team. And I have the ability, the, the privilege to lead that. And that's because... I put in hard yards as a kid. Although that was hard, the benefits of all those hours of the piano far outweigh the, the difficulty of all those hours of practice. The benefits far outweigh that. And this is true in life, not just in piano. If you're, if you're learning to drive, that can be like super scary and unsure, but then having your license, wow, that's incredible, isn't it? You can go where you want, do what you want, and the pain of learning to drive is small compared to the benefit of driving for yourself. I've been teaching Aiden to drive this year. He's got his keys test on the 23rd of December. So make sure you all ask if he fails, just let him know that he did that, yeah? 23rd of December. And so this year, man, it's hard work teaching someone to drive, right? It's hard work. But I keep thinking about the benefits, that once he gets his P's, I don't have to drive him anywhere anymore. Yes! Parents who have experienced that, that's a good thing? Yes, I can imagine that's a good thing. How about learning a new skill? Um, 
studying at university and then doing nursing and then passing your exam, Hannah, final exam, Hannah passed. Congratulations, Hannah. Final exam. Now you can become a nurse. All that hard work and the study for the exam, it's so difficult. But then when you go into your career and you get to see the benefit of investing in lives and helping people, it's, it's, it's going to be so worth it. And it's true in our Christian lives. Hey, it's true in our Christian lives. Sometimes the Christian life can be hard. It can be tough. Maybe God doesn't do the thing that we were hoping him, hoping him to do. Or maybe God's people don't treat you in the way that you think you should be treated. That can be hard. Or Christian leaders let you down or make decisions that, uh, that, that you don't like. Or maybe you've been treated poorly for your faith. As a... Um, as a 17-year-old, it was then I got serious about faith in Jesus. And I, um, I, was, I was coming back from the trip um, from Cambodia. I was in Singapore, and, and I rang my wife, Michelle. I've just changed stories for those who are keeping up with my ADHD, right? I've just changed stories. Um, and I was, I was in Singapore, and, the, and we had life group, and Sam's running the life group in my house. And he says, have you got any stories of persecution? That's where, that's where my mind went there. That's the ADHD. Now, I'll come back to the story of persecution. So when I was in year, in year 12, it was at the beginning of year 12, the penny dropped, where I understood the gospel and what God had done for me. I was like, this is awesome. Everybody needs to hear it. So I was super, super vocal in my school um, back in 1995. That's when it was, you young people. And at the time, Billy Graham was doing this telecast because you couldn't get on your phone because there was 1995. There wasn't mobile phones. And you had to go to it. It was at the Reesby Workers Club, and there was going to be a big television, the big screen, and Billy Graham message was going to be broadcast from wherever they were into the Workers Club. So I got this massive poster and staple gunned it to the side of the building where, all the, where, we, where we had an assembly, and everyone looked at it and had a big... God so loved the world that he gave his only son and then where it was at. And I got up on the assembly and I presented the gospel message to the school and the teachers weren't happy apparently, but I was a kid, so that wasn't my problem. Um, and then I, I, was, I was sharing my faith with my friends and my friends got so sick of me one day that they uh, tackled me and laid me on a bench, one of those school benches, like flat like this, and they got gaffer tape and gaffer taped me to the bench and put gaffer tape over my mouth so I couldn't speak about Jesus anymore. That was at recess. And then at the end of recess, they left me. And I was still laying there. This is interesting. And the uh, deputy principal came out. Nathan, what are you doing there? Rip the tape off my mouth. I oh, was having a bit of fun with my friend, sir. And it was all good. Persecution for your, for your faith. Um, as a teacher, I was a teacher for nine years in a government school. And the principal we had was anti-Christian. And I was super public about my faith and talked about my faith lots and with the students, and I was real privileged to do that. And the principal didn't like me, and she blamed me for things, didn't give me opportunities, talked down to me, publicly ridiculed me in front of the staff because of my faith in Jesus. Maybe you've experienced something like that. You've experienced your friends giving you a hard time for your faith, or someone in authority bags you out or makes it difficult for you because... You're a Christian. Maybe you've had these hard things happen to you because of your faith in Jesus. Another time I was at Reesby Woolworths and um, I was coming out of Woolworths and there was these two cars in the car park like up against each other 
and they had their windows down and the drivers were yelling abuse at each other. They were like road raging in the car park of Woolworths. And I'm like, well, this is my community. I'm a pastor in this community. I'm going to see if I can help. So I went up to them and I said to them, hey guys, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a local church. I'm, I'm here to serve the community. Can I help you? F you, F your church, F your faith. And he fully went, whoa, sorry man, I'm only trying to help. He fully, fully, fully went me. You know, sometimes when you're being persecuted for your faith or life isn't going in the way that you want it to go, you might think, man, this Christian life is, is too hard. And you might have the temptation to quit this, this, this Christian life. But my message to you today is this. Don't quit because what you have in Jesus is better. Don't quit for Jesus is better. You know, if you're in Christ, the Bible says that you have a new identity. Mel talked about, as she was leading us, about our past and our sin and our guilt. And, and we can look at ourselves and go, man, how could God possibly love me? That's what we can think. But the reality is, Joseph, he does love you. He loves you so much that he gave his very, very best for you. He gave his son, Jesus. And when you commit your life to Jesus, he gives you a new life. He says you are a new creation. You are described as a masterpiece. A masterpiece. Wow. Not because of you, but because of what Christ has done in you, Joseph. Amazing. The Bible says that if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the Spirit is guiding you and leading you through this life. God promises never to leave you nor forsake you through the ups of life, through the downs of life. And I'm going to talk about that next week. The ups and downs of life. God is with you. He is your comfort. He is your guide. He is your hope. And He's the one who gives you eternal life. And that eternal life starts when you commit your life to Jesus and that life goes on forever. And when you breathe your last breath, your last breath, and his body dies, you simply go on the next step on the journey to be with Jesus forever. And then one day he's going to put the new heaven and the new earth back here. And we're going to live on this earth with him forever in the most wonderful place. We will see him face to face where there's no more crying, there's no more pain, there's no more death. And we'll be with our Jesus forever. Yes. That, having that, is so much greater than anything you could ever go through in this life. Having him now, knowing that he's with you, he's for you, you're forgiven, and knowing what is ahead of you, that is the greatest thing ever, and we mustn't lose sight of it. The writer of Hebrews, and this is our second last message from Hebrews, everyone. I started in February, and, we, and, we, and this is only one chapter, by the way. Hebrews chapter 11, I've got two messages to go today and next week. And, and, and the context of this message um, of, of what we're reading in Hebrews 11 is that these Hebrews, these Jewish people, have become followers of Jesus. They've become Messianic Jews, Jews who believe in the Messiah. And because of their commitment to Jesus, their community has rejected them because of their faith. Not only that, they've had property confiscated. People have been locked up in prison because of their faith in Jesus. And by looking at the text, we can assume that some of the people were thinking about throwing away their faith in Jesus and returning back to Judaism. But the writer says, don't 
Turn back. Jesus is better. What you have in Jesus is so much better than any persecution that you can go through, so much better than any difficulty that you can go through. Having Jesus now and having Jesus in eternity, it's so much better. So continue in your faith. Continue on. We're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 10, the context of Hebrews chapter 11. This is what it says. Hebrews 10.32. The writer writes to these new believers, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. In other words, you, you are now aware of what Christ has done for you. You've committed your life to Jesus. When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were probably exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. How do you go with that, everyone? How do you joyfully, you joyfully accepted that? Why? Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Because they knew that this life is temporary and everything in this life is temporary. But they knew what was in eternity, this stuff that lasts forever. And they knew if we, if, if we go through this and it means we miss out here, it's okay because in eternity we're going to receive much more. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence in Jesus. For it will be richly, it will be richly, richly rewarded. Whether or not you see it now in this life or in the next, you will be richly rewarded. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Who's that? Verse 37. Who's that talking about? Jesus. In a little while, Jesus who is coming will come and he will not delay. And... But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. That's referring to an old, old Bible text in the Old Testament, verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Let's not be people who shrink back or throw away our faith in Jesus, but we stand firm and we have faith and we'll be saved on the day. Here's the message of Hebrews chapter 10 and 11 in the whole book. He writes, don't quit, for Jesus is better. And then the writer then says, you guys are having difficulty. Let's look back to people who have gone before you who had difficulty, who continue to have faith, faith in this life and faith for the one to come. And then we read through Hebrews chapter 11 and we see Enoch and we see Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and all those great people we've spoken about this year. And today, we're going to look at Moses. It starts talking about Moses' parents, how they chose faith over fear. And then it looks at Moses and how he chose to leave what was happening in Pharaoh's household and align himself with God's people because he knew what was ahead of him, but he also had faith for this life. So let's look at this, Hebrews 11.23. Moses' parents. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. This is the year 
1650, about BC, 1650 years before Jesus. God's people had been in captivity in Egypt for about 350 years. They came to Egypt, everything was great. Under Joseph, they were celebrated, they were given a place to live, the people grew, and the number of people increased. And generation after generation, some 350 years later, there was a pharaoh who didn't know about Joseph. He didn't know about how the, how the Hebrew people got to Egypt. And because there were so many of them, he was afraid that if they took up arms, they could have a civil war and take over the nation. So the pharaoh said, I'm going to enslave them. And in um, Exodus chapter 1, verse 11, it says that the, that the Hebrew people were oppressed and put in forced labor. It says in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 1, they were hated by the Egyptians. And in verse 13, they were worked ruthlessly without compassion. The Pharaoh put the Hebrew people in slavery. But then not only that, he then ordered that every son that was born, the midwives were to kill him. Because if there was no sons, well, who's going to go to war with our nation? But here we have Moses' parents unafraid of what the king said. They saw that he was no ordinary child. I don't know what that means. That's an interesting phrase. What does that mean? Not sure. But it says they were not afraid of the king's edict because they put their faith, put their faith in God. They chose faith in God over fear. And then coming out of that, we see Moses' faith, no doubt, influenced by his parents. Verse 24. By faith, Moses... When he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses, after his parents looked after him for the first three months, um, put him in a basket. He ended up in Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh's daughter looked up, um, sent Moses back to his family. They weaned him, grew him up a bit, and then he, Moses ended back up in Pharaoh's household. And then it says, he chose, verse 25, to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, this is an interesting verse on many levels. It gives us information that we don't have in Exodus. We're not told this in Exodus, but the writer of Hebrews gives us more information. And, it says, and, and this leads to me to believe that as a, as a young man, Moses had faith in God. Because it says that he chose to align himself with God's people, meaning slavery, hatred, oppressed, rather than to be part of Pharaoh's household, which is described as the fleeting pleasures of sin. Egypt was the most powerful nation on the planet. If you were the Pharaoh, you were a god. And they were involved in pagan worship. All the, all the, um, all the, all the plagues that came from God, that was in direct opposition to each of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. Another whole story, we won't go there today. And they worshipped many gods, and they were no doubt involved in, I said, pagan worship, parties, drunkenness, sex that's outside of marriage, like weird sexual behavior. It was worldly behavior. And, and it says in this verse that Moses said, rather than me choosing to live like that, I'm going to choose to honor God, even though it means being, being treated as a slave. This was the easy option and prestige and fun, and food, and parties, and end. But Moses said, no, I'm going to choose to honor God and be with God's people. I remember when I was back at that 17 high school age, 
and I got passionate about Jesus, and all my friends were smoking marijuana and um, getting drunk and doing the, doing the play, having sex with their girlfriends and party things. And I was invited to those parties, and then when I was no longer doing the stuff that they were doing, and I was talking about Jesus, they stopped inviting me to, 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 to the parties. And they cut me off. And less and less, I had relationship with my friends that I had since primary school through high school because I was choosing not to live in the pleasures of sin but to honor God with my life. And you may have experienced that. Or if you're maybe you're younger, you're in that. You're in this season where you're following, you want to follow Jesus with your life and that you have these friends of yours who are trying to lead you down this path that's not godly. And you need to make a choice. Am I going to stand for God or am I going to copy them? Now, the Bible says be in the world, so still be in relationship with them, but you don't have to do what they do. And then if they reject you, that's on them, not on you. Moses chose to honor God and be mistreated with God's people. And we need to ask the question, why? And it tells us in verse 26 and 27. It says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt. In other words, we're going to look at that phrase. He chose to honor God, Christ, with his life because he was looking ahead to his reward in eternity. Moses knew that at the end of this life, there was something afterwards. He knew that was eternal and that this life was temporary. So he chose to say no to the world in order to honor God because he knew that ahead of him was this very great reward. There's also this interesting phrase in verse 26 that says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. And when I read that, I went, huh? Why is that there? So I did a bit of reading, and I'm going to show you what I found. Because it leads us to think, well, did Moses know about Jesus? Did Moses know about Jesus? And there's a few verses in, you can look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5. It points to the fact that Moses knew the Messiah was to come. In Deuteronomy 18, 18, it talks, Moses says, there's going to be a prophet like me who's going to come. And Moses spoke to God face to face. That's what the Bible describes. And got the law from God. And I'm sure, no doubt, in those conversations, he knew about what God's plan was. But did he know about it? When in his teenage 20s, because those encounters he had with God was when he was 80 and older. So we're talking in his early years, did he know Jesus was going to come? And the answer is we don't know that answer. So what does it mean by he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ? What it means is that Moses chose to align himself with God's people. In other words, he chose to align himself with God's people, meaning that he was going to be persecuted and he was going to be treated poorly because he was one of God's people. Now, to be one of God's people, all God's people from the beginning of time to now are all God's people through faith in him. We put our faith in him, and God accepts us through Jesus' death for us. We who stand this side of the cross, after the cross, are saved by what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago. But those on this side of the cross was saved by what Christ was going to do. And for these people, it was in 1,600 years' time. We are all God's people through faith, and God makes us right with him through the death of Jesus, the moment in time that dealt with all of sin of all history. 
So when it talks about regarded as grace for the sake of Christ, it simply means that Moses is aligning himself with God's people and people and all people who are God's people are God's people because of what Christ has done for us. Hopefully that's clear. If it's not, it doesn't really matter. Let's move on. So in this so far, summary so far. Moses has chose to honor God with his life because he's thinking about the last word here, reward. He knows what's happening in eternity. And he has faith in God for eternity, so he chooses to honor God with his life now. But then it goes on, two more verses. It says this By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is visible. He had an encounter with God, he saw God, and because he knew who God was, he had faith for not just the reward in heaven, but he had faith for this life, living by faith now. I'm choosing not to be afraid, not to live in fear, because I'm going to live by faith. And then in verse 28, by faith, it says he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Egypt. And that's talking about the 10th plague that came. There was a final one before the people left Egypt. And, and God said, if you want your firstborn, firstborn to be protected, you need to get the, the, the blood of a lamb, put it over your door frames, and your blood will cover you so you're protected from death. And that's a picture of Jesus to come, yeah? And in that act, Moses put his trust in God, Because what can blood do, really? What can paint do? What can blood do? Nothing. It's just blood. But when you do blood in obedience to God, where God says this will protect you, and you put your faith in him, well then, it, well, then it carries power because you're obedience to God. So as Moses lived his life, he had faith for eternity, and he had faith for today. And that's the pattern for us. Although it could be hard, like Moses had it hard. Imagine like leaving Pharaoh's household and going to go, go and live in slavery. Imagine being called by God to lead two million plus people out of Egypt into the desert to the place I will show you to go. <laughs> yeah. And the challenges and the difficulties of that and then being representative of God to the people, the weight. Of that, and yet Moses lived a life of faith, trusting God for what was to come and trusting God for today. You know, it might have been easy for Moses to quit, and we know at the burning bush, Moses tried to get out of it so many times. But how about this? How about this? But he did the thing that God wanted him to do. There could have been the temptation for Moses to quit, but he kept on going. Because he knew what he had in God and what he had in Jesus was so, much, was so much better. And that's the message for you today. Don't quit for Jesus. Jesus is better. What you have in Jesus is so much greater than anything that you can go through in this life. You might have disappointment. You might have had Christians who hurt you. You might have had church leaders who hurt you. You might have been persecuted for your faith and left out and missed opportunity and bagged out. Well, all that stuff that you go through, that is difficult. No doubt about it. But what you have in Jesus is so much greater than any difficulty that you can go through in this life. In Christ, you are his workmanship. In Christ, God is never going to leave you nor forsake you. In Christ, you have eternal life. It's all through him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, 
All you need to do is come to him and say, God, I've, I've, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And God sees that and he says, thank you. You're now mine. Invite the team up, the worship team. And as they come, I want to read you one final, one final, well, three verses. After Hebrews 11 and the heroes of faith, the writer then summarizes it like this. Therefore, everyone say, therefore, since we are surrounded. You don't need to say that bit. I was just hearing all the banging and clashing. Put me off. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, they're the people in Hebrews 11, Moses, Abraham, Enoch, Abel, all those people of faith. Since we are surrounded by them, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Everything that holds us back from honoring God, the sin that holds us back, throw it off. Look back at those people who have gone before you, those people who didn't have it all together, who continually got it wrong and who were messed up, but they were people of faith, and that's what's celebrated. Be people of faith. Throw off the stuff that holds you down and let us run with perseverance. Keep on going. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the one who started it, and the perfecter, the one who will finish it. For the joy set before him. Jesus was looking ahead. What was the joy? Being at the right hand of the Father, rising from the dead, pouring out his Holy Spirit upon us, saving his people, giving us a new identity calling us his own, adopting you as a son or a daughter, putting a new life in you, making you a new creation. All that stuff that Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection, he was looking ahead to that. As he looked ahead, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. The cross was the worst day, worst way to die. The worst of the worst of the worst. They were hung there naked for everybody to see. And not only that with Jesus, but he took on the sin of the world. My sin. Your sin. I can imagine the death was excruciatingly difficult. But what took it to a whole other level was that he took on the sin of the world upon himself. And he died in my place. He took the punishment that I deserved. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, consider Jesus. Lifegate Church, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't quit. Keep on going. Those in Hebrews 11 went through it. Jesus went through it. Use them as our example. Keep going. Keep following him. For it is worth it. Let's stand. And we're going to sing this song, praise. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will be people who keep going. That we will look to you, Jesus. That we'll look to the people who have gone before us. And we'll say, that's our example. Who went through hardship and difficulty. 
He went through hardship and difficulty and yet continued on. Father, may we not quit on you for what we have in you is better than anything we could ever experience. Any difficulty that we could go through, any persecution, any hardship, and we choose to praise you today in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.